Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Carn, and Mike Steenstra. I'm Alistair Johnston. I played soccer growing up in just outside of Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. So I played at Bond, where I was recruited to go to St. John's University. I went there for my first two years, um, played in the Big East under Dr. Dave Mazur before I transferred to Wake Forest University for my final two years. Uh, um, I was actually a center mid my entire life growing up, which was my ideal position. Um, until my senior year, um, my coach at Wake Forest, Bobby Muse, decided, you know, let's try him out at right back. Let's, uh, let's see how that one goes. And I was like, okay, we'll try it out. We'll see how that one works. And it ended up going pretty well for me. Um, after the, my senior season, I got drafted. 11th overall to Nashville Soccer Club, uh, which is a brand new expansion team. So it's been kind of a whirlwind um, these past couple of months, I'll tell you what. Um, 2020 has been something else. <laughs> um, but now I'm here, Nashville, currently quarantined. Um, looking forward to getting outside and kicking a soccer ball at any moment. Um, but that's where we're at right now. That is a, and that's like a perfect summation. That's like your entire Wikipedia page in, in 2017. There it is. So tell me about youth soccer in Canada. I'm just kind of curious what that looks like. Does it look like, you know, the pay for play model in the U S or, mm-hmm. or what does that look like? So it's a little different Canada. I'd probably say, especially Ontario, there's probably the two biggest provinces for soccer are BC, British Columbia, West and Ontario. Ontario is definitely the biggest one though, especially in terms of producing players to go to the NCAA. So pretty much I'd say there's kind of three major routes you can take. Um, there's definitely the pay to play model, which is the big time. These are these academies that are, you know, privately owned. They'll take you on tours over Europe and stuff, but you know, at the end of the day, they're charging kids six grand, um, to play a year. Um, then there's the TFC, Vancouver Whitecaps, all the MLS academies, um, which have really been poaching players, which is fair enough. I mean, that's where the best players want to go to grow. Um, obviously some super talented kids in there. Um, and then the third one is more club, but clubs different in Canada than it is here in the States from what I've kind of been made aware of. Um, club is actually really competitive up in Canada. So I played club growing up and we would play against TFC Academy. Like we play in leagues where you play against these MLS academies and we'd win games. Like it's, it'd always be, they try and poach our players at the same time. It's a lot of guys didn't want to go there. Cause we'd have most of my team would be made up of actually guys who were at TFC's Academy Toronto FC, um, and then got released for whatever reason or decided to leave, had a falling out with the coach, and then they normally come to club teams. Um, so these club teams are actually pretty stacked um, for the majority. Um, but it was kind of cool is that the kind of the top three clubs in uh, Ontario um, were one from each, actually. So there's Sigma Academy, which is a kind of a pay-for-play, um, which was always one of our biggest rivals. Then there was Vaughn um, SC, which is who I played for, which is a soccer club, and then TFC's Academy. So those were kind of like the big three, um, and we'd all play in the same the same league, and we'd always be competing for the same um, league titles and everything. So it was a really cool dynamic. You kind of had a little bit of everything going on there. Um, but honestly, I think it was I think it was a great way and a great model because what the club allowed us to do is that we would charge such minimum fees, um, like pretty much once you hit, I mean, I can't remember. I never actually paid when I played at Vaughn pretty much. You just pay your registration fee, which would be like a couple hundred dollars. And that was it. So what we'd be able to do is recruit all the guys. It didn't matter what your demographic, what your background was or anything. 
um, your financial background at all. So we'd be able to get players that places other teams just they couldn't afford to go play at. So we would be a team that would have some serious talent. Um, and then our main goal was always as a club, which was different than TFC, obviously TFC trying to produce guys for that must team. Ours was always, let's go down, let's showcase, um, mm-hmm. against college teams. So this was probably the best part about ours is that college spring seasons, you're allowed to play six games, but five of them, um, was it five or was it six? You're allowed to play one of them, but whatever it was, we didn't count because we were a foreign, um, club team. We didn't count as one of your spring games. So huh. tons of college coaches loved it because we would come down tour pretty much. We'd all be our senior year of high school. We'd come down on the weekends. We'd drive on down and let's say we hit North Carolina. We play Wake Forest, Duke, um, UNC, and then drive back. So we awesome. play all these teams. And it was great. Yeah. So these guys, it counted because it didn't, it was just a chance for them to get minutes. And obviously maybe they wouldn't play their starting 11. They play, they give a chance to play some of their more reserved kind of players. And while we're getting a chance to go down tour these schools and kind of see, okay. And then, then as well compete against them and get a firsthand look at what they're like and their coaches would get to see us. And it, I tell you what, it works some wonders in terms of recruiting. So besides the MLS clubs, were the other clubs kind of feeders into NCAA? Like, was that a, was that a route that a lot of players that you played with took? So the guys at my team, yes. So pretty much Vaughn was kind of known as having the best connections into the South, um, into the States. Um, and pretty much what would happen is guys would be fairly dispersed growing up. Um, you play more local where you were, but then you kind of knew what you wanted. Um, if you wanted and you had the ability to go play in the NCAA, most guys would probably end up at our doorstep at one point or another, asking our coach to come out and try out. And our coach was fine. Yeah, you come out. If you can play, you can play. If not, then you're not going to make it. So most guys knew, like, if you decided, you know what, when you're 16, 17, um, that that was something you wanted to do, you were probably going to end up at Vaughn because they were the best ones in terms of, I mean, we were the only club that was doing that, going down and touring. And I mean, it was crazy. My senior year, every single weekend, it was get home on Friday from school, maybe leave a little early and you'd be getting into, we rent some vans, everyone pile in eight guys into a van and then you drive one down, you'd hit four schools in two days, play four games. You come back and literally a body bag. You're so exhausted. You can't Sounds feel like your blast, body. <laughs> yeah. It was a blast. Oh my goodness. So you can imagine the road trips for something, yeah. something to write home about, but no, it was, it was a crazy way. And I tell you what, it was, wouldn't change it for the world. So how about for you personally, you, uh, so you went from club, your club Vaughn mm. to, uh, St. John's in New York city. Um, mm-hmm. tell me about that recruiting experience. And, and at what point did you realize like, Hey, I, I think this is something I'd like to do. So for me, it was always a big school guy. Personally, I always had the marks and stuff for it. And it was something that my parents had really pushed. Um, they wanted me to go to school for sure. And when I realized that I was probably going to get a full ride scholarship or something to a school down South and, me being, I'm a huge college sports fan. I love watching football. I love watching basketball. So I was like, man, I'm going to have a chance to go down to the States and play. Like, that's a pretty cool thing, especially yeah. being like a smaller town. Like most people are just going to the local schools, local universities in Ontario. And I'm, I'm kind of all of a sudden, Oh, he's in New York city. So yeah, that's for cool. me, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. I'll tell you what. So for me, it was, my recruiting was actually very interesting because I was undersized. I was a late bloomer, I'd say. So I was probably senior year. I was about five, 10, 140 135 I was a defensive mid I mean I could spray but I wasn't anything crazy you weren't walking up to the pitch and going oh yeah he's my man yeah um so it was kind of a weird one then so we went down to the Disney showcase which probably our biggest showcase it was in December um so that's yeah end of December um 
we play all the best club teams in America. And this is also, you could tell that the club teams in America aren't necessarily the same level. Like what we think, like most guys are into developmental academies or whatever, but we'd go down there and play and all the college coaches would be there. So it was really good. But fortunately I, I really injured myself. I actually pushed one of my bones back in my foot about half a centimeter, about half an inch uh, going into that tournament. But I was like, I got to play in this. Like, cause all the coaches that were interested in me were flying down to watch. And I was like, okay, like, I struggled definitely to play. Like my coach was trying to manage my minutes. Like, Are you good? And I was like, yeah. So the final, yes, like, yeah. yeah, I popped six painkillers. I was <laughs> playing a little high on the field, but <laughs> it was what it was. Got through it. So it definitely hurt my recruiting stock. Um, and also this was probably, this was whatever, five years ago now. So the inroads into um, America weren't as strong. So sure. when I was going to St. John's, that was one of the biggest schools um, that we were talking to. And now, now we got kids going, I mean, Syracuse every year comes and poaches Vaughn's uh-huh. top two best players. Now Wake Forest is taking guys um, like every year. Like once my brother, so my brother's actually, he was a freshman this year at Maryland. So he oh, was nice. like, That's, I, I live in Maryland. You live in Maryland. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he's a turp. So he's uh-huh. like, like our coach says, like every year, like the coaches all of a sudden they're now calling him, ring him up. He's like, uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Like I got Sasha Starosky, like calling me asking <laughs> if he got players. So it's every year it's gotten better and better. So it's been great. I mean, that's what, what happens when us, uh, when we've done all the guys on my team went down, performed well in college soccer. And I mean, it's only increased the reputation of guys coming out of Canada, which has definitely helped the next generation. That's what we're kind of keep trying to do. Keep that pipeline coming for talent yeah. to come down. So in order for me to get to St. John's, yeah. Uh, Dr. David Mazur, he came down and watched me play. Um, it was definitely something intriguing. I, I kind of narrowed it down at the end between them and Florida Gulf coast. Uh, and my best friend is going to go looks, uh, pretty nice. Yeah. I was trying to tell me what there was hammocks. I was like, I'm not sure how much work I'm going to be doing down here. <laughs> yeah. My best friend is the goalie on my team and he already committed there. They uh, brought us down on our visit all together. I was like, Oh man, it's going to be a tough yeah. one to turn down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was real tempting, but I'm not going to probably right around their sweet 16 run too. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was right around then. So the basketball was still kind of buzzing a little bit. Yeah. What were they? The wings, they were dunk. That whatever. I forget yeah, where they were, but they were dunk city yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I tell you what, it was, it was a tough one to turn down the beach life, but I was like, I'm not going to do anything here. And then once I went down to New York city, I mean, they put me in a hotel in times square. I was like, okay, I can, I, I like this. This is, this is, this is again, this is working for me. Um, the idea of living in New York city and playing in the big East was something that definitely intrigued me. And I thought probably was going to be the best step in terms of me, if I want to take this to the next level at that point, like playing profession was always in the back of my head, sure. but it wasn't one of those ones. It was, it was kind of more of a longer term goal. Like at that point it was like, I want to be a big East all freshman team. I want to all conference team. I want to start, I want to do all this stuff. So that was kind of yeah. my main things those first two years, um, which then apparently I did well enough that I was able to transfer to a bigger school, which was nice. But, uh, that came down the road. So, What's the mentality of most NCAA players? Like, is there are they thinking pro or at this point it's like it's cool. I get to play college soccer. It's awesome. The game environments are cool, but like mm-hmm. this is the end of the road. Or are is there ambitious a lot of ambition in college soccer right now? I break it down into different tiers. Um, every team you'll find throughout NCAA D one, there's going to be players that think I'm going to make it pro and that's my goal. I'm here mm-hmm. to go pro. I would just say that as you kind of break down, you look at the ACC schools, you probably have eight to 10 guys who want to play pro and truly believe in and are willing to put everything into that. You go to other schools, eight to 10 guys want to play pro. Yeah. Do they 
it, like sure. it gets to the point, I think once after you have your freshman year, your sophomore year, where you kind of, you're starting to have a bit of a feeling out process for where you think you're going to fit in. Um, and then, then you can really see like, am I going to truly try and enjoy my college years or am I really going to push for it? And I think sure. there's definitely some give or take at wake. It was night and day. I mean, every single guy there from one to 30 in the roster, I mean, can play. And like, yeah, I mean, I was looking at, that. yeah, I, I was looking at the soccer page and I was, uh, very surprised at how many professionals have come out of that place. So, so why yeah. don't we go into that? Like, um, was it a soccer decision that made you switch from St. John's to, to Wake Forest? So for me, it was both. Um, St. John's was a solid school, but at the same time, I wanted to kind of do something a little, little harder, a little more next level for me, just push myself a little more. And then obviously the soccer speaks for itself. It was going into the ACC best, best soccer conference in the country. Um, getting a chance to play there. I mean, uh, yeah, just the pros they produce has been pretty unbelievable in the past couple of years, especially. Um, so it was definitely just a chance where, and I also saw it as like, I was going to a coaching staff that knew how to develop players. And that was the biggest thing for me is I didn't want to kind of plateau. I think sure. those four years from, I went in when I was, I mean, what an important age year. to develop, like 18 what an important, to, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. arguably the, <laughs> to your best exactly. chance. Of, yeah. yeah. I went in there at 17. I graduated at 21. I was like, I can't have four years where I'm not getting better every day. Yeah. And that was something is at St. John's, I learned a lot. It wasn't necessarily as much tactical. It was more how to be a man. And I put on weight all of a sudden I'm coming out in my spring, my sophomore year, I'm 170 pounds and like, yeah. I'm ready to play soccer now. Like, yeah. so they taught me a lot there in terms of how to be a pro. And I learned, like, I always knew how to eat and stuff, but then I've really kind of regimented myself. I'm like, okay, this is what it's going to take. Like, this is how I want to play. And this is what my body needs to feel like. So once I got to there and then I was like, okay, now it's time for that next step. And that's what wake really kind of provided me. It was just, all right, training, another level, training facilities, another level, coaching staff, another level, everything was just dialed the player quality. And that's such a big thing is that at St. John's we had, yeah, we had guys that can play, but you get a little thinner once you get deeper onto that roster. Yeah. Wake, like, Oh my goodness. Like really? you're playing with guys like number 20 on the roster played in the U S youth national team camps. It's like, it doesn't oh. even make sense how you're coming off the bench for us. And you, you were just over in Serbia playing for the U.S. youth national. Like it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. So huh. it was, they were like hoarding talent. It was a little crazy. So that was definitely probably the biggest change for me. It's like, I, I want to go somewhere where I'm just going to develop. And I tell you what, that's exactly what I did at Wake. And you switched from defensive mid to right back. Uh, and then what, what kind of, you know, uh, where did the right back play on the field? What were, what were some of the tactics so it was for the right back one. for you? It was a weird now it's like a actually, fuzzy position. Yeah. Oh yeah, completely. So when I actually transferred over Bobby, our coach at wake still saw me as a center mid, but he saw me as a very versatile center mid. So compared to our other guys we had, and there was Brad Dunwell, Joey Desart, they're more defensive minded. I'm, they're probably cleaner on the ball in terms of just in and out of things. I mean, tons of reps, just really solid players. Um, but for me, I was a bit more of an athlete in terms of opening up my stride and stuff. So my junior year, I was used in the midfield. But at the same time, there was always kind of a thought I could tell with him that he wanted to maybe try me out, potentially as a center back or as a right back. So once it got to my senior year, we actually had an injury with our right back, our, our kid that was supposed to play there. And they were like, you know what? Like, this is a perfect chance. Let's just throw Alistair out there one practice. Let's see what happens. And I I did well. Did <laughs> you like I was, it? I was out there flying. Do you miss, do you miss I, it at all in the middle? I this is the thing is I do miss center mid a lot, but how I play right back, I'll come in the middle. Like I'm kind of, okay. it was really weird. He almost let me kind of have a free roam. As you can say, I almost was playing like a 10 in the defensive half. Like I was allowed to come inside. I was allowed to do my own thing. When I got it, like my winger was peeling out. I was allowed to hit balls. I mean, like one of my favorite things was always spraying balls. So like I'd come in, I'd, I'd 
give and goes and I don't sudden I'm underneath our tent. Like I, there's tons of opportunities like that. And that was kind of a cool thing, especially with how our team was set up. Our left back was very defensive minded. Mm. So it always kind of felt like out of our four, they would always slide over. They would shift in, almost make a back three and it would just constantly just give me a green light. And huh. I found is, I thought the hardest part for me was definitely gonna be one V one defending. And I realized, yeah, that definitely is the hardest thing. So what's the best <laughs> way to counter that? It was, let's make my winger defend me. So that when he gets the ball, he's too tired to go at me. So that's pretty much what my main strategy was. It's obviously developed now that I'm in pro and it's a little different going against Carlos Vela versus someone else. So there was definitely something I learned was, you know what? I was like, screw it. Like I'm gonna go forward. And if you don't want to track me, all right, it's going to be a two on one. And then we're going to get an overlap. We're going to get across. We're going to get something out of this. And if you're going to track me, then good luck. Like let's get on our horse. Let's go for a couple of runs. Cause yeah. I always bank on myself being fitter than them as well. So it was, There's it was a lot of creativity in that part of the field now. It's it's actually, I feel like in the last five ten years, that area of the field has changed night completely. And yeah. Night and day. And I tell you what, if this had been ten years ago and he was putting me to right back, I yeah. probably salt. But at this point, I was like, you know what? I remember I went home and called my dad. I'm like, why not just be the best right back of the nation? I mean, no one's gonna mark me out there. Like I was just always thinking that like when I'm in the midfield, I'm going up, like, up against another box to box midfielder. Tough battle. I'm like. I'm going up against a winger. He wants nothing to do with me. Like yeah. nothing to do with me. So yeah, they're not defensive I, specialists generally. <laughs> not defensive specialists at all. Oh my goodness. Like I, you could fool them with the simplest of tricks and I was loving uh-huh. it there. I mean, but obviously once I've got here in Nashville, it's, you ticked it up. Yeah, another yeah. Level. Um, so that's been kind of an interesting one too. All right. So one more question about NCAA and then we'll, we will move on to uh, Nashville because you're that's a special true. soccer player, man. That's awesome. Now. Yeah, it's crazy. So I wanted to ask you what surprised you about NCAA in general when you got there. And then I'd have to, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you changes that you think could be made to improve okay. NCAA. Okay. So, so for surprises. Surprises. Um, I think the night and day, I, 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 this is always my biggest thing with it, is you looked at basketball and you say, all right, he's a freshman, but at the same time, he's probably going to be a top 10 overall pick. He should be able to dominate games, but it's completely different in soccer. Like you're a freshman, you're coming in at 17, 18. There's guys out there. Yeah. You're a boy. There's guys out there. that are seniors that they recruited from Germany. that are 25 years old playing. Like it is, it was really different when you really learn. You're like, okay, I've always used to kind of playing in my age group. Even if you played up, you're playing like under 21. Most of the guys are like 19, 20. You're like, okay, it's not that big of an age gap. But now you're going up against guys full beard. You're like, okay, like this is the real deal now. Like I'm playing against guys who are men. And I think that was kind of probably the biggest surprise for me, especially coming in as a freshman. And then also just looking back at it, like I'm a senior now. When I was a senior looking back, at it, I was like, oh my goodness, I would have. <laughs> If I saw my freshman self coming up against me, I would have started chuckling. Like, I'm like, oh, come on, let's go. Like, what do you like? This is going to be a little jog in the park. Like, so I think that's definitely the biggest surprise is how much development actually happens in terms of maturity, understanding the game. And I mean, it's a big culture shock for a lot of players. I mean, a lot of guys are foreign internationals. So this is their first time living on their own, first time yeah. living in a different country, new language, new food, new everything. Um, wild. So I think that's a big one. Yeah. Time zones and all that. It, it plays a big part. And I think a lot of people kind of overlook that and they think, Oh yeah, why not come over? I mean, if you're European, that's six hour time change. You're not talking to your family as much, not talking to your friends. It's tough to kind of necessarily stay in that rhythm. And especially if you don't speak English, isn't your first language. Yeah. It's I got all the credit in the world to those people. All the get credit homesick, in the world. You know, like I, yeah. I know how I would get homesick. Sure. Yeah, for sure. 
So um, yeah, changes. You want changes. You want changes in soccer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. NCAA. They they're yeah. they're widely criticized in in the world that I come from. But yeah, I, it's because I don't know much about them. Like I'm sure sure it's mm. fine. So I want to hear from you. Um, okay. For me personally, um, I know the 21st century model is a big one. Um, I would say I'm for it for sure. It's really tough. My biggest problem was, is that like my sophomore year, I got hurt and it was a simple, it was turf toe. I should be out two weeks miss in a regular year. That's okay. Maybe you're missing one or two games. If it's a normal season, I missed, I was going to miss five games, like five, six games in conference games. There goes your whole there goes your whole chance of winning a conference player and player of the year, whatever, and all that uh, stuff. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like I can't afford this. So instead of what am I doing? I'm going out and getting a cortisone shot in my toe, numbing my big toe. I go home that winter. My doctor says, don't ever do that again. Don't ever. So I, I think it's one of those ones. It also comes down to player safety a little bit. It's like, yeah, you're willing to put your body through some crazy things. Like I wanted to transfer. Like I kind of knew by the end, like I was going to transfer. If I didn't play six games when you only have an 18 game season and they're getting my in-conference games, how am I going to transfer? Like, how are you going to then take that step to the next level? Yeah. So I, that kind of spacing out the the whole season makes sense in a lot of ways. And also just the development aspect is you're telling us in spring that we can only have certain hours on the ball. It's just like, it's, it's a weird one. Yeah. It was really frustrating as a player. It's like, I want to go out. I want to get better. But at the same time, it's like, I'm only allowed to do so many hours with my coaches. I'm only allowed, like, you're counting, like, warm-ups. They're all on clocks. Like, they have to know exactly how much they're doing. Like, Compared we can do more time in the weight room. <laughs> yeah, we can do more time in the weight room than that. Like, no, everyone should have their own specific plan. Like, yeah. I'm a senior now. My body's filled out. I don't need to really be doing as much time lifting as maybe the freshmen do. Like, yeah. I, I think there's some serious give and take that need to be looked at. I understand they want to put the student as well. It's super important. Um uh, you can't sacrifice academics because at the end of the day, that is what these are. They're academic institutions. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, I think you should lighten up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, your coaches aren't going to go crazy. They're not going to go, oh, we have no limits. Yeah, we're going to train for six hours. Like, no, that's not going to happen. But at the same time, it's like, can we can we train a little longer than an hour in the morning yeah. uh, throughout the week in the spring and stuff? That always kind of – and it's tough as well, I thought, in season. So the game's coming so rapidly, like Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday, Saturday, whatever it's – realistically you play game Tuesday, Wednesday, light regen Thursday. You're watching video and kind of trying to feel out where everyone is Friday. It's a game preparation. So you're going really light. You're playing Saturday. You have off Sunday. That's your hard training session. And then Monday you're gearing up for the next. It's, it's yeah. you barely actually wow. really have training sessions. Huh. Most of it's just regen and building up and getting used to the next opponent. So I think that's really a tough aspect of it. It being so condensed um, but that's just something that's on my mind, I'd say probably. Yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. You get where NCAA is coming from, but mm-hmm. from like a, a world soccer perspective, it's, it's vastly different than what most 18, yeah. you know, 21 year olds are getting. Mm-hmm. But, um, so MLS comes knocking on the door, your se- senior season. So what's the level of MLS interest in college soccer in general? Like how much were you aware that there's scouts at the game? Like what? Yeah. What, what, what's that? What's going on there? Um, overall, you'd probably say it's been declining over the years as they've relied less and less on college players to come in and make an instant impact in teams. But at the same yeah. time, I think there's certain clubs that value it way more than others will. And I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, you see it over in Europe. Some clubs really, really care about their youth systems while others are like, you know, what? we have enough money. We're just going to go, we're going to go pluck their best players. Yeah. So I think the MLS interest for me was really odd. Um, 
you kind of hear, um, your coaches normally try to keep going to wraps, especially if you're an underclassman, like, Hey, like we don't need anyone knocking on your door right now. Like we're trying to keep you for all four years, but as a uh-huh. senior, you're kind of more, all right, we're pushing you. Like, here's what kind of teams are interested in you. They still try to, there's always, let's keep it a little down low. So it doesn't get to their head, especially when you're in season. Um, uh-huh. but for me, I was, I went into the senior year. I was like, I just want to play. And like, I, I, for me, it was like, uh, let's just see where it goes. I'm not, I wasn't thinking about MLS draft or anything. I was like, I'm but just heading into senior after. year. Like you were going to get drafted. Did you know that? No, no clue. Okay. No clue. Okay. So I actually went to Atlanta United. Um, they wanted me down there on trial. Um, so I was down there for two weeks, pretty much before I head over to wake for my senior year. And I liked it there. They liked me. So I was like, okay, there's, there might be some, some talk there that potentially maybe if I don't get drafted or anything, maybe I can work something out where I end up there. So it was a good fit for me and everything. I liked their coaching staff and all that. So that was always kind of there, but I was like, never was drafted getting in my mind. And it really wasn't even until November, I'd say, end October, early November, when once you really start talking with your agents, I mean, at this point, like I'm trying to determine what agent I want and they're all putting out feelers and stuff. And all of a sudden, like it's coming back, like, yeah, MLS interest, like, yeah, you're going to be a first round pick. I was like, like me? I played right back <laughs> two months and you're going to tell me I'm going to be a first round pick. I don't even know what I'm doing out there. It's going to be, like, be wild still, to have an agent and like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust me. I was, yeah. my dad was like, what is going on right now? How is this like, you have an agent. I was like, okay. So, so as that season continued to progress and progress, like I learned once I got out of so the college cup, we lost in the semifinals college cup, which is a big bummer. Um, thought we got robbed a little bit in that one, but uh, that's for another day. Um, but once I came out of that one, I was like, the latest rumor I'd heard I was going to be maybe a first round. I was kind of looking like the 20 to 40 range. And I was like, I am ecstatic. I'm over yeah. the moon. I'm, like, I'm going to get picked. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> and then my coach came up and told me, he's like, if you're not a top 10 pick after that, like, I don't know it will. I'm like, whoa, let's hold our horses. Yeah, like, I'm pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, let's pump the brakes. <laughs> so as that December went on, I'll tell you what, that was the longest month of my life. Because it goes from December 15, I drove home, packed up all my stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, the draft is not for another three weeks. Like what am I supposed to do for the next three yeah. weeks? Like I'm just sitting there twitching. Like my agent keeps calling me and stuff. He's like, all right, yeah, good. Like this team wants you. This team wants you. We're trying to work out if I was going to get a senior deal or not. I'm like, I'm going to get a senior deal. Like what's going on here? Like I'm just trying to get drafted. Um, so then it all happened. Um, all of a sudden team starts saying like, Oh yeah, if Alice was available at 20, we're going to take him. If Alice yeah. was available at 17, we're going to take him. I was like, wait, if they're going to take me at 17. That means like, they think I'm going to go ahead of 17. They're like, one team was like, yeah, Oscar, we'll take you at our pick. And it was like end of the first round. It's like, we, there's no chance you're going to be there. That's what they told my agent. I was like, what? And like all of a sudden, then my agent's like, okay, like, I think we might need to reframe this. I think we're going to be going a little higher. And all of a sudden the mock draft started coming out. And a lot of them had me going like eight, nine, 10, 11. I was like, okay, guys. Like, I on here. <laughs> yeah. So my dad, my, he's hilarious. My parents are all like, I wake up and I just have, like all these different mock drafts are just sent to me from my daddy. He's like, look, they got you going number eight. I'm like, yeah, it's a mock draft dad. Like, let's relax. You guys have, this isn't, this isn't the real deal yet. So once it got to the day, I was, a lot of people say like, Oh, do you know if you're going to get picked? Like, um, Jack Mayer, who went second overall, he's actually my roommate. He went home, but uh-huh. he knew he was going, he was pretty sure where he was going. He was, he was going to be number one or number two. Um, so he knew he was either going to Miami or he's going to Nashville. For me, I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. Yeah, no one has called me. Anywhere. No one has said anything. <laughs> it is such a weird thing. Like drafts, I feel like to everyone else, what a time. Like me watching the NFL draft, NBA draft. Oh, this is great. Love it. Being a part of the draft, not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun at all. <laughs> I can um, see that. I never thought of that. Oh yeah. my goodness. I was sitting there. The MLS flew up cameras. They had their whole war room in my in my family's basement. 
and all these cameras on me. I'm out here sweating bullets. I'm like, am I going to get picked? Like, am I going to slide? Like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that gets, guys got the cameras in his room and he's going to slide out of the, the first round here. So I was like, Oh my goodness, please just let something good happen. And at the same time, you're like, you're going through them. It's like, all right, Montreal's picking at nine. All right. That's not too far. It's like next pick could be like Dallas. You're like I could be living in Dallas. They don't pick me like yeah. no idea. Like you're going to be starting your entire life somewhere. And you've no, it's literally just, it's complete random. It almost feels like yeah. you luck your livestock like, almost, you know, they're just exactly. like, all right, luck. <laughs> yeah. So the coolest thing though, is actually, so when we were doing it, there's this one guy that I must set up who does like, he's like the main guy of the TV crew. So he has a scarf. He's constantly has the scarves in order of the draft and he's putting them away. Like as a pick happens and it's not me, he puts it away. Then the next huh. one's up. So I'm constantly looking, but whenever there's a trade, he hears it on his headphone first. So I'm like, we're watching the TV and all of a sudden he's swapping out a scarf. I'm like, what's going on over there? Like, <laughs> Montreal scarf was just there. Now it's not there. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's like, just watch. And all of a sudden it's like Colorado was traded for Montreal's pick. I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like this guy's going to tell me. I was like, Holy crap. So I remember I was, I'm watching the screen. I'm also now out of the corner of my eye. I'm watching him and it comes like the 11th pick. And all of a sudden he swapped it again. And I'm like, Huh, so I thought maybe I was going to go maybe to Montreal at nine. Montreal then trades to pick. I'm like, cheers. I guess I'm not going to Montreal. Didn't want to stay home anyways. Yeah, cool. Whatever. <laughs> in Canada. Um, and I can't remember pick 10. But then 11 came. And all of a sudden he swapped it. And it looked, I just saw the corner of my eye was a yellow one. I was like, uh, Columbus? I was like, yeah. I don't think Columbus would trade up for me. I was like, okay. Because I'd heard there was a couple teams I knew that were potentially in the running for trading up for me. Um, and then my agent just put down his phone. And he showed me his phone. And it was a text from the GM at Nashville. I was like, Oh my goodness. No way. I turn around those Nashville scarf. He's got a big smile on his face. The guy. And I'm like, and I'm smiling. My parents have no idea what's really what's going on. They're still like sitting there like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, and I already know. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was, that was so relieved. Like the coolest thing about that was, is that how the draft went. Once I realized I was probably going to be going in the low teens kind of area, I kind of instantly wrote off the fact that I'd be going into Miami or Nashville just because they're picking like very top or they're yeah. picking and then they're not picking the top of the second. And I knew I wasn't really going to go at either of those points. So I hadn't even thought about potentially going to Nashville. So once it all kind of hit me like that, I'm like, Oh my goodness, that is such a great spot for me in terms of just location. I mean, being an expansion team means there's project no brand new. Yeah. City's exciting. Brand new. yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Great place to be. 21 years old, come down to Nashville. I love this weather. I mean, Wake is literally due east of here six hours. So I love, love this absolute uh, latitude we got going on here. I mean, it's absolutely stunning out here and it's April, what, second now? Oh my goodness. Like I, the weather here has been gorgeous. Uh, it's been a great fit for me. I really enjoyed the team. I mean, I, I couldn't have done anything better. So me. you get to the team, you, you've had a full preseason, you guys got a couple games. And mm-hmm. so what was the preseason experience like? preseason wow <laughs> it's it's long it's different so i'm used to the college preseason it's like the one week you got some two days it's winston-salem heat you're dying a little bit it's hot you're running doing all that this it's more like guys this is a marathon this is five weeks it's gonna like, be no family time. whipped into shape <laughs> oh yeah and it's just you're out there cooking and i mean it's it's great though because you learn very quickly what your coach wants that's when he's got that's his pretty much his only time to really implement I mean, especially being a new team, he's going to implement his entire way that he wants us to play, figure out what players he likes. Because at the end of the day, the GM is the one that's made this team for him. He's got to find a way to make it work. So I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was new for everyone, especially new for me. Um, and just hearing, I mean, I think it was just a really cool time because you're bonding, you're all at the same hotel, you're going out for meals with the older guys. I mean, hanging around guys like Dax, 
Yeah, um, you've got Daniel some, Lovitz. It's yeah. Eric Miller. I mean, we got some really cool older guys who just have a wealth of knowledge. Um, so just learning from those guys. I mean, we go out for dinner all the time with them. Like that would be my dinner crew. It would be a couple of the older guys, and it, I mean, just learning from them, just talking to them, and I mean, just hearing about other preseason, other teams. You realize, like, okay, we got it pretty good here. Like, it's it's not bad, that's for sure. Um, so I think that was probably the that's probably the biggest part I'd say about preseason is just the bonding, um, just getting to know all the guys and all that. I mean, it's really important spending that much time and just being in such close proximity to everyone. And like, you guys all, we're going through this together. We are going through these three days together in this Florida sun, and yeah, it's just gonna. That's what it's gonna be. Any uh, favorite teammates so far? If you're allowed to say, <laughs> favorite teammates so far. I mean, I tell you what, um, right back union is pretty strong. I'd say um, me, Eric Miller, Ryan Beckley's. I think it's gonna go down as an all-time great um, right back union. Um, that's something I've been talking to Eric about quite a bit. He's our MSPA uh, rep, and I mean, he's just super smart guy. Went to Creighton great guy. I get along with him really well. And then Brian Beckley's is a 34 year old Honduran right back playing the world cup. Hilarious. Barely speaks a lick of English. Only knows some oh, world cup, though. that's that's yeah. Sick. World cup. Play what? Oh, he's just, he's absolute quality. Um, so we have a good time. I mean, those are probably my right back union where we're tight, uh, <laughs> as tight as we can be. considering there's a little bit of a, a language barrier between oh, yeah, me and, <laughs> and also competition. But at the same time, like I know my place, they know theirs. like, it's, it's all like, they're trying to make me better at the end of the day. They know that, um, I'm young. I've got a long way to go. Um, our coach definitely values experience. Um, I'm going to get sure. loaned out before I'm be playing ahead of them. So they're just trying to teach me, show me the ropes. And I think that's a really cool thing because as I was a senior, you want to teach your freshman the ropes. It's not, you're not too worried about necessarily something first thing that comes to your mind is he's going to take my spot. It's no, I want to grow and develop this guy. Um, and I think they've taken me under their wing pretty good. So they're definitely a couple of my favorites. Daniel Lovitz as well. Dax has been great. Um, Dave Romney. I mean, there's the list goes on yeah. and on. It's a pretty, I mean, Walker Zimmerman, who we traded for is an unbelievable guy for how big of a name he is. Um, just great guy. I mean, so easy to talk to. And I mean, he and him and Jack are always on FaceTime together playing Fortnite. And it's like, I'm like, Jack, you're, you're playing with a guy who's the U S men's absolute starting center back right now. You realize that he's like, yeah, yeah I know. I know. Like, it's, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like that, I'd say. Yeah, but that's your peer. Like that's yeah, you now. That's, 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 that's gotta be cool. Yeah. It is pretty cool. I have to say. So, um, can it, I saw that you were in the youth setup for Canada at one point, a U 20 ID camp. So is that, um, something that's in the cards for you? You think Canadian yeah. national team? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, Canada's always been an interesting one for me. They've always seen me as undersized. I've been a little unloved, I guess you could say is probably the easiest way, but I've used it as fuel. I've always kind of enjoyed. It's like, Canada for me has always been one of those ones is that I'm going to focus on my soccer through NCAA and then go on pro and I feel like if you're doing, if you're just focusing on that, then Canada will come calling. I mean, national teams at the end of the day, if you're doing well playing professionally, you're going to get a chance. So for me, it's always been kind of like that. It's, I've never been too worried about the youth national team setup um, with how it's worked with me. Um, at the same time, it's definitely put a chip in my shoulder. Um, there always was talks. I mean, my mom's born in Northern Ireland, so there's always talks like, hey, if yeah. they want to screw you over, like we can always play around. I have multiple passports. There's always some things you can dance around a little bit but at the same time i've always wanted to play for canada that's kind of where my heart's been um so hopefully at some point in the future it'll, it'll become uh become a chance because i tell you what like it's been crazy just seeing um some of my friends who i grew up playing with that are a year older than me two years older than me and all of a sudden they're getting called in the national team camps i mean like kamal miller was starting as our left side center back to shut down Kristen pulisic 
in the game in Canada. When yeah, we that's, that game. So. You guys are on the up and up all of a sudden. Yeah. So I mean, we got some players. We got some exciting talent. So I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to get involved with that. And I mean, first for me, it's just getting some professional debut under my belt, getting some professional experience. And then, I mean, this U23 team that's going to the Olympics is supposed to be this summer, um, but now it's been postponed. So hopefully I'll have a good year under my belt. It could be helpful for sure. Hopefully it will. And I mean, I'll still be under 23. So I'm hoping that maybe I'll be able to, I think, I mean, if you ask wow. me going to the world cup, it would be amazing. World cup's got to be your number one thing, but yeah. going to an Olympics is pretty cool. If you're it, an Olympic athlete, like, Oh um, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's going to the grave. Probably putting the Olympic <laughs> emblem on my gravestone. I'll tell you what. So oh, yeah, you get else. to live in the Olympic Village. Like, oh, oh man, you yeah. can't beat it. Yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, it's a, so, you can't beat that. Hockey one. Where does soccer fall into the hierarchy of of Canadian uh, sports fan fandom? Okay, it's grown. I tell you what, it's grown. Um, well, lacrosse is actually a national sport, but I I can't <laughs> really put it. Yeah, you know, it's a weird one. I tell it to everyone. Everyone's like, no chance. I'm like, I'm Canadian. I actually should know this, but it actually is amazing. So pretty much for us, it's always been, I mean, basketball's also really been on the come up. Um, hockey, though, has always been the biggest. Um, it's only been hockey in the winter. And then guys are looking for something to do in the summer. And actually, it's funny. I mean, my team that I grew up playing with, this is always a, a good one I tell everyone is, I grew up playing. So my town that I grew up in, Aurora, is actually a big hockey town, very big hockey town. So I played for the Aurora team growing up, soccer team, and I played hockey in the winter. So my whole team was made up of all hockey players. They all played AAA, which is the highest level you can play. So once we hit 13, everyone decided, like, yeah, we're all going to quit because we just want to pursue hockey. So there's really two of us that were left over from that team, and that's when I eventually moved on and found my way to Vaughn. Um, but now from that team growing up, we've – I think four of them are in the NHL. Wow. So I'll tell you what, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big-time hockey community, so – you're definitely right with hockey being number one. I'd say soccer's growing. I can't, I'm, I'm going to have to put basketball ahead of it, especially with, I mean, champions of the world right now. You can't take that away from us. Um, Toronto Raptors. So uh, I'd say I, basketball's number two, but soccer's close. I'll tell you what, especially with our women's team, our women's team's really good. Our women's national team's really good. So yeah. I'd probably put it that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, your basketball team's looking stacked all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. We got some players. I know it's sports here. We're growing. Coming up. <laughs> Finally. All right. So I got two more questions and I'll let you go. And I really appreciate you coming on. This is awesome for us. Like we, have, we haven't had a whole lot of big time guests. Like you're, <laughs> <laughs> you are, believe it or not, a big time guest. That is unbelievable. First time I'm over here. <laughs> um, so did you watch soccer growing up? Did you watch any uh, leagues? Oh boy. Oh boy. Did I ever. Um, I was the crazy kid that was up every single morning, Saturday, Sunday at 7 a.m. watching the Prem. Um, right. huge Manchester United fan. My dad's okay. a Chelsea fan. Um, my brothers are both Manchester United fans. I got on that bandwagon, um, pretty early. Um, right. so that was been, that was my childhood. I mean, we had a little field in our backyard, so it was pretty much our mornings. Our weekend mornings would be wake up, watch all the games. And I was a crazy kid. I could watch all, I'd watch all three. I'd watch the seven, the 10 and the 1 PM. That's I would be there all day. It's the best. I wouldn't get up from my couch. And then after pretty much it, after full time or at halftime, me and my younger brother would go out to the field out in our backyard and we'd just go out and play and try and recreate what we did. I mean, we'd always be calling ourselves the players' names and stuff. I mean, it was crazy. And also growing up, like that Manchester United team when I was growing up was a pretty special one. Um, my favorite player ever, Paul Skulls. So watching him play was always kind of the dream, I guess you could say. And I mean, there was 
was a lot of fun watching Ronaldo, Rooney on a counterattack, Carlos Devez, all those guys. It was Ryan Giggs. It was it was a lot of fun. So the other guy, I'm a Tottenham fan. I've mm-hmm. been I've actually only watched soccer for three years. So I grew up a huge basketball guy. Got gotcha. into sports journalism that way, but then all of a sudden, yeah. like soccer turned on for me. So I wish the Manchester United guy was on, so you guys could wax poetic about the uh, the golden years. What but. the golden years? Tell you what, it's taking a little decline. I mean, you guys have been good. Tottenham's been solid, but they're just missing. They're missing a piece. I'd love to steal Hungman Son from you guys if you guys would uh, let him. I let love him Sonny. He is yeah, Sonny is something else. Yeah, with with Harry being out like a lot the last two years, he's really yeah, he's. I'm surprised like, Real Madrid doesn't come calling. Like, I wouldn't He's be surprised funny. if he ends up somewhere like that next. Two-footed, so quick, so technical. Oh, my goodness. Like, how he strikes the ball, too. Oh, like He's a special player. I, honestly, I would take him over Kane, personally. That's me. Brad, the other, the, rooster, the other rooster on the podcast would fight you over that statement, but I've said that exact same thing. Like, Sonny, yeah. he's next level. Uh, Harry Kane, I, I love him to death. He's obviously one of the best strikers in the world. but. Yeah. If you take their careers right now, I think I'd take Sonny. I, I don't know. I think I'd take Sonny, too. I would take Sonny, too. And I'm trust me, I'm an England fan. That one hurts saying I would take someone else over Harry Kane. Yeah. I love that man a bit, too. So, <laughs> so you, um, I thought I read your, both your parents played college soccer. Is that true? No, actually. My, huh. my mom played soccer growing up. She's been playing college, though. She's pretty good, though. I'll give her credit. She knows what she's right. doing. My dad played, though. Um, Gave it up in college because he decided, you know, he's not going to make money doing that. But he was yeah. always a huge soccer fan, too. I mean, he's worked in the soccer industry his entire life. Um, worked with really? Umbro, Adam, all yeah. those companies. I mean, he's met some pretty cool people. And that's how he be, actually became a Chelsea fan is when they were sponsored by Umbro. He'd go over there and watch him. Mean, he got to watch John Franco Zola and all them playing. I mean, he had a good time in the 90s, too, traveling over there. Well, my oh, mom was at nice. home with, with a couple of <laughs> three, uh, three little kids. There puking and getting sick all over the place but i uh, got two uh, pukers upstairs right now yeah you know exactly what's going on oh <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. so you have a, a northern ireland passport is it was there any interest to play over there at all since that would let you play at 16 um definitely some big interest um playing over there i've been on uh, so actually what i have now is i have a european passport which is nice um and i also have uh, so I have, yeah, I have the UK passport and European ones, which is really nice. So, I mean, it opens up so many more doors, um, for all the guys over here. Cause I always know that's one of the biggest problems is so many friends are so talented. They go over there and it's like, we're not gonna be able to get you a visa. Like yeah. you're just not gonna be able to stay here and play at the end of the day. Like it, people understand how difficult it is if you don't have a passport to get over there and stay, um, especially mm-hmm. as a kid. Um, it's really tough. So it's definitely uh-huh. something. And I mean, you can also use it as leverage. I mean, it helps with your contracts. I mean, you can always just say like, you can always threaten the idea of potentially going overseas and at the end yeah. of the day being a player that's grown up watching the pram watching i mean i watch all the all classical all the spanish all champions league every single tuesday wednesday like the idea of playing in europe is something that's always kind of been the pipe dream yeah if, if i was ever given the opportunity to play in europe i would jump at it in a heartbeat for sure uh, i think that's something that all kind of north american players growing up that have always idolized those teams over in europe it's something that it's kind of a non-starter like it, it's yeah. a no-brainer honestly of course. it's just of course how wouldn't i um Especially to play in England, even like championship, anything yeah. like that. Like it'd be you got a buddy at Leeds uh, right now, right? Yeah, Jack Harrison right now. Yeah, yeah, he's out there. I tell you what, he's a player. I mean, yeah. So that, I mean, well, he's, yeah. perfect, he's a perfect example of what the path can be. You go through college soccer, and all of a sudden, MLS for a couple of years, you do really well there. And I mean, Man City might come knocking, which is listen. MLS is in a 
way better position than it than it ever has been and teams mm-hmm. are definitely watching the league so it's not and i think mls is more open to you know sending players overseas now yeah, so mm-hmm. he's got to be bumming right now because he's knocking on the doorstep of the the prem with leads who knows what's going to happen but who knows what's going to happen oh my goodness that's a good team too and i'm a manchester yeah. United fan should not be supporting leads at all but it's been fun i watched their documentary on uh, amazon prime oh man quality tell you what they have a good time down there at Leeds. i'm ready for that uh, tottenham documentary at this point when's that one coming out yeah i heard about that one. they're still filming it so from what i've heard it's going to go from like tottenham season and then uh-huh. all of a sudden it's just going to be like coronavirus soccer coverage for the last little bit like uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I don't know I, I try not to get too much into coronavirus you can drive yourself freaking yeah. crazy right now put yourself but, a couple circles yeah yeah so I want to let you go because I've taken up a ton of your time, but we usually end Rooster and the Devil with a rant. Anything soccer related, I'm putting you on the spot. Like, is there anything you want to get off your chest about soccer or peripherally soccer at all or going crazy with quarantine? Really anything you want. We give you a, a platform for a rant. Wow. A rant I would have. Being a Manchester United fan, there's quite a few you could have right now. I'd probably say... It's time for that we get a director of football. It's time that a lot of changes happen a little higher up. And rather than just changing the manager, per se, it's, it's got to go a little higher up in the, the hierarchy. And I think that um, it's been long enough now that we've been not where we should be at the top of the league table and competing in Europe that it's time that the Glazers and everyone up there decides, you know what, we need to make some big changes. Um, I'm looking at you, Ed Woodward. I'm looking at you, buddy. It's time that you, you either get out or you, you let someone else do your job for you um, because it's just been so adamant. Sure, we've been making a ton of money, but at the end of the day, as a soccer fan, I don't care if Manchester United has run a profit. I want to see us win games. Mm. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing is bring back that lust to Manchester United. Bring that back because at the same time, as now you're looking at players. They want to leave Manchester United. Pogba's going to probably want to leave again. And at this point, I don't even blame them. I, I, what, do you, what do we provide? Yeah, who, I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, exactly. And we used to be the ones that a big name was available and Manchester United came and said, yeah, we're interested. You sign up for Manchester United. That's a pretty easy one. And now it's kind of gone to, you know what? I might choose, I might choose Everton or someone like crazy. It's, it's really weird to me that we're not even close to being the biggest club in our own city right now. And, and that's a bit frustrating, I think. And it's been definitely frustrating for me for the past decade. Um, so I'm hoping someone brings back the glory days. You know, you're looking pretty good before the break right here. I think, uh, Manchester United on the up and up next year for sure. But when this all blows over, we can fly over there, light some fireworks off in Ed Woodward's. Uh, go. Woodward's there we go. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for the time. I appreciate, really appreciate it. it. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Good Have luck you in quarantine. <laughs> Thank you. You too. That's right, it. Yeah.